It's Friday, energy is high, and we're ready to dive in. I'm Shane Keel, Chief Edutainment Officer at Enrollify, and every other week, Mickey Baines and I will discuss how institutions can take high-level strategies and tactics and implement them into their enrollment marketing strategy in a practical way. Grab your coffee, open your notes, it's time for Fanatical Fridays. Hello, we are back. I believe this is episode 60 of Fanatical Fridays. Mickey, as we're recording this, we're kind of coming off our break. I know we're a week in, but how was your extended holiday vacation? Well, I wouldn't call it a vacation. Um, you know, I I take time off and I take vacations. Um, and those are two different things. Holidays, there's a lot of work that goes into preparing <laughs> for it. A lot of work that goes into cleaning it up. Yeah. enough that I'm not going to call it a vacation. Um, especially when you have multiple kids, uh, celebrating the holidays, uh, family events. Yeah. Um, you know, for, for so for me, it was time off, uh, yeah. of work. It was not, uh, all that relaxing. I mean, it, it's a slow uh, pace. I always say my favorite week of the year from a work standpoint is that week between Christmas and new year's. It's, it's not full days of work. Mm-hmm. It's not calls all day with clients. Um, I've already done most of my planning, especially this year. Probably done more planning for 2023 well before the holiday period this year than, I, than I've done in the past. But there's still some nuanced components to the planning, and it's and it's preparing to execute on the plan. And and I like to plan, and I like to know how we're going to execute, and getting that together is really refreshing to me and invigorating yeah. from that perspective. I love that week yeah. Um, so that when you come back, you're ready to go. And it's really not just coming back from a standard vacation or standard time off. You're coming back to start anew. Like there's a, there's a new thing happening and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a little different when you're in higher ed because higher ed's anew is in the fall. But for us, we still consider January to be our new period uh, and, and so I'm ready to go into that with a great level of excitement. So that's yeah. always, always fun. Yeah, me. that's awesome. Well, as somebody who doesn't need to host others, um, it's a vacation for me and I enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> um, good time. Do to, enjoy you know, it, Cause at some point it'll probably not be that way. Yeah, for you. exactly. Um, and the point it becomes not that way for you is generally the start of about an 18 year period or longer where it won't be that way for you. So um, so enjoy it, uh, as, as much as you can. Yeah, I will. And I am, um, I think one of the things, I mean, just thinking about the holiday break, no matter, you know, what you celebrate, if you're getting gifts, I think one of the more popular gifts, which for those of you on the video podcast, I can flex my little, uh, VR headset I brought here. mine into the office. I brought <laughs> mine into the office. Um, and I say mine, they're not mine. They're uh, my youngest as a, as a, yeah. Yeah, I got mine a little while ago, and then a bunch of my friends got it for, they tried it out. So I I got one. I actually tried my friends. I was like, this mm-hmm. is awesome. I tried it out, had to get one. And then a bunch of my friends tried it out. And then I think they put it all on their Christmas list. They're like, I don't want anything else. You know, mom and dad, give me this one thing. Um, and so it's becoming a super popular, the VR headset, obviously, is becoming a super popular gift 
you know, just kind of like system, whether you use it for professional gaming, I think is, you know, obviously the, probably the most popular use of it right now, but there's so many potentials for how we could use these headsets and, and the immersive nature of them and how it's just so unique and different than what people are used to in both the professional and meeting space community and the gaming community. And so I think it might be worth some of our time today chatting a little bit more about how people can use these VR headsets, you know, for scalability in higher ed and incorporating more people into a more interactive community built environment. And so I think, you know, starting there, thinking about what you need to get rolling with, with VR. Cause I know some people probably hear VR, AR, all of those things, and just think that's 2050. I'm not worried about that right now, but unfortunately it is here and you, you have to be ready for it. So I think one of the things when, when I was doing a little research into what it takes to get started with VR, it was actually a little easier than I thought it was. Meaning it's it's certainly sophisticated, but it's not a, a one-year build-out process. Um, I was looking up, so one of the things that a lot of people are using is Matterport, which is this tool that allows you to basically capture three-dimensional images of rooms, of you know outdoor spaces, all these other things. And I think they've been using it a lot in the real estate industry for a while and allowing, I'm sure everybody's done the thing where you kind of click to the circle and, and view a room and then you yeah. click to another circle and you're, and you're walking around and seeing what the house kind of actually looks like. But doing that in the VR space is much different where it's not still images kind of pieced together where you're just kind of like seeing one thing then the next and, and doing a little bit of that. It's full on 360, turn your head, can kind of see every every component of mm-hmm. an area and kind of walk through that virtual space. Um, and then really using you know that to enable things like you know, campus tours are probably the most obvious one. Some schools are already kind of out there doing that. And that's, you know, way cooler than some of the virtual maps that you see and things like that. But there's so much more that you could do with it. And, you know, I was looking into a few other schools and what they're doing. And there are a lot of apps kind of already pre-built that give you some really cool insight into the actual career field of, you know, X, Y, and Z jobs. So, there are yes. schools, you know, NASA has their own app and it allows you to see, I mean, wild, wild stuff um, and actually look at people building things like rockets and engines and, and all these other things where, you know, if that's your career field, you're you're there in the room with them looking around at, you know, all the people helping support this project and could dig in a little bit more. You can, you know, in the arts and sciences, I think YouTube VR launched, you know, somewhat recently and it really puts you kind of like, in an atmosphere that is that can be a professional setting where people are doing their job and you're kind of just shadowing them without actually having to be there, which gives you, I mean, a wild exposure to tons of opportunities, which seems incredibly cool. So I'll kind of pause my my rant here on like getting you up and running, but curious as you think about, you know, VR, maybe from let's take some baby steps first and then branch into, you know, even cooler things. What do you think schools could do to get set up on VR and kind of, and use it in a way that is, that is beyond maybe just the campus tour, which is a little bit more, you know, basic, basic level VR at this point. So I have uh, several thoughts. So I think the campus tours, I think the basic idea, but probably one of the most intensive efforts because you got to think if it's if your if your campus is a building that's one thing but if your campus is, spans acres right. and acres and you've got 20 different buildings that are 5 to 10 stories that's 
Now, obviously, you're not going to put everything on there, but that takes a little bit more time to do. Not necessarily the 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 technology, but the time mm-hmm. to get all of that uh, mapped out um, is there. I think the other, I think, really, I don't want to say basic idea, but the, uh, I think the other area, you know, academically, there are a lot of different types of courses that could use this natively in the work they do, especially if you think about online courses that we've been more hesitant to offer online because of the hands-on component. Yeah. And putting that into a VR, um, it could be some healthcare, like nursing types of courses, could be some engineering types of courses. Those that allow you to immerse yourself more into a uh, a 3D space versus a 2D space, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. The thing that I, I get a little concerned about it from a campus tour or even this uh, type of um, idea is what's the likelihood that your students or prospective students already have the equipment, especially mm-hmm. from the campus tour piece, because you know if it's if it's in a curriculum, that might be instead of a textbook, right? you're getting these goggles, right? For prospective students, if you're spending a lot of effort there and you are a very high first-gen uh, student attraction, so you bring in a lot of your students, first-generation students, that's still really, what's the likelihood that those students right. have access to it? And you want to balance that out. For me, I don't want to see it as your your new primary channel. I think it's a new channel for an experience that you offer. Yeah. So it, you've got virtual reality. You might have Zoom. You may have on-campus. You might have fully remote and asynchronous. Like You've got all these different channels through which you're engaging, whether it's a student or a prospective student. And I, and I look at it as that type of component. I had this thought and opinion 15 years ago as I would listen to colleagues on my campus, well, this is when I was still a practitioner, mm-hmm. colleagues on my campus, colleagues uh, on different college campuses that worked at other institutions, talking about the hesitancy for, for online. Um, and and while I understood that, I, I had the belief then that even every traditional program should require all of their students to take at least one online course. Because back then, I, I felt like, and why I'm saying this, making me sound like I'm... <laughs> Um, but I did believe back then that yeah. we would all work this way more regularly, not necessarily that we'd have a pandemic and we'd be exclusively right. remote, but I felt like there were more interactions and work that would take place this way. And so I thought requiring that of undergraduates is just a part of the career preparation of how do you learn, how do you interact, and how do you engage this way? Mm-hmm. And I bring that up now to say, I would say in the next five years, it's pretty important that you think about how do we use VR yeah. to prepare our students for what's in the future. I think that just behooves you. And, and I think adding that in and adding that to the mix is important because it is a step further from this dynamic of, of virtual communication, um, mm-hmm. of being online. It's another dynamic and it changes. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it changes, but also creates more opportunity to do things differently. And if you try to say, oh, we got virtual reality now, we're just going to do it the same as we did online with, with Zoom or whatever. No, you, you, right. it's not the same. It's the same as, as getting a CRM and having manual processes still in place. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't do that. <laughs> so so I, want, I think now's the time to start thinking about it and dabbling. Dabbling, is that the right word? Um, yeah. But you know, getting into it a little bit, um, tiptoeing in and expanding. I think if you go in that route, other ideas um, to use, 
know, I, I like the idea of using it as an as an engagement and relationship building tool for those who are not with you. So can you also offer one-to-one meetings through mm-hmm. that versus being in Zoom? It, it's different. It's, it will make you stand out. Yeah. Um, doesn't require the same effort of, of the Matterport and all that. I mean, it's got a little bit maybe because you might want to get someone's office in there mm-hmm. so you get a sense of it. But um, but I think that that gives you a, a whole different dimension to to connect and engage with someone. Uh, and I think there then I might even expand it to say, OK, what can we do for c- building community? But I, I, aside from that, you know, could we offer some type of VR based orientation mm-hmm. versus online orientation. What if it is VR based? Um, you know, that's not dramatically far away from a campus tour right? and in just an online option for an orientation. It's, you know, it's not that. And I think that, and that might give students a, the ability to kind of move around and, and connect and build a community in their own way. Uh, and in a different way, mm. those are the kinds of areas where I'd like to see schools test out, um, you know, I would love to have an opportunity to kind of test, work with the school to test this out. How do we build this out? How do we replicate? Because I do believe, you know, one of the things, well, I know one of the things I hear from schools is when we did this online, we lose an element to our orientation if we try to do it online. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting virtuality is going to get you the fully in-person ability back or that, that experience back, but you can get closer to that with that than you can with this. Uh, and so I think that that is just one area where I'd like to see folks kind of push the limits a little bit where you can start to see how can or start to test and identify and define for yourselves. How do we replicate um, this online experience in an, or this on in person or on campus experience yeah. online? You can get closer now with virtual reality than you could with Zoom or whatever tool you're using. Um, and so that's re- really where I'd like to see schools test. Yeah. And I think one of the things, too, is just thinking about the, pr- the prospective student being able to potentially go to some type of orientation or something. Let's say it's the first time on campus and they don't know anybody. Going anywhere by yourself that you've never been before can be pretty intimidating, especially when you're, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, where if you're going with three of your friends, it's a little bit more of like, all right, cool. Like, we're all going to have fun together. This, like, what are we worried about? Um, and so I think being able to do that type of orientation where you're trying to build community, you're, you know, having people almost bucket themselves into interests and then being able to split them up, they're building friends. And then when they show up on campus the first day, they already feel like, oh, where's, you know, Jim and Sally, I was chatting with them in the group. Like, I want to meet up with them in person. This is super cool. Like you're, you're kind of building this, this buy-in to your university that's just built on these other, these people building friendships, um, in that space prior to. You know, it's if for some people, it's also tough. Even if we get there, it's like, oh, I don't know. Okay, we're in this room. We kind of have to do this game where we get to know each other, <laughs> you know, and it's, it, you're not a, you're a pretty shy person. And it's hard, hard to kind of interact with people. Whereas some people may have that comfort of being in their own home, having kind of their VR headset on. It's like almost like a little mask you're wearing. And then you kind of meet these people and then can take off the mask and you get there. And, and then it really, you know, blossoms into a good friendship where you're feeling much more yeah. confident and comfortable, you know, at the university. Alrighty, we're gonna play a game, guys, okay? So, first and foremost, get a pen, get a paper, pull out your notes app on your phone, whatever it might be, okay? Got it? Great. All right, what keywords does your website currently rank for? Take a couple seconds, right? One, two, three, four. 
I give you a few, not just a couple. What doesn't it rank for that you think it should rank for? Okay, one, two, three, four. Now, what are a few keyword opportunities that you could be winning on if you just simply tweaked some of your existing website copy? Got it? Okay, how'd you do? Ooh, not so hot. Not sure what you can, what you're currently ranking for or not sure what you could be ranking for. Well, that's okay because our friends at DD Agency want to help you answer all of these questions. DD Agency is a higher ed specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copy should be tweaked on website pages, and so much more. If this sounds like something that you could benefit from, give the guys at DD Agency a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. So head on over to enrollify.org forward slash DDA SEO, that's DDA as in DD Agency SEO, or simply follow the link in the show notes below. That will guarantee you get a 10% discount off of your audit. All right, head on over to enrollify.org slash D-D-A-S-E-O or simply Google DD Agency, find DD Agency's website, and be sure to mention that you heard about them through Enrollify when you request your audit. All right, folks, back to the show. And I agree, like, you know, if, if I don't know, I'm in Pennsylvania, but let's say my new students are in Missouri um, or elsewhere, they can't all just get to campus. Mm-hmm. orientation. We right. want them to participate in orientation. Imagine if you offered that um, to students who live beyond a certain area, especially if you're a small private school, they're not going to be able to do that. But even, I, I remember, gosh, many, many years ago when I was an undergraduate student, like, you know, gosh, we had maybe 5,000 new students enroll in a given year and maybe 40% of them came through orientation, at least in the summer. Yeah. Um, I, w- I worked in that office uh, as a student. And so, you know, they they didn't get an orientation or they might have got some type of abbreviated thing that, you know, the first couple of days of uh, of this right before the semester starts. But that was a separate orientation in of itself. You couldn't do a summer and a fall orientation at one. And so there are things that you're missing, um, relationships you aren't able to build. And, you know, this allows you to let everyone participate mm-hmm. if they have the equipment, if they have the equipment. Let's be sure we're pointing that out. Right. Um, but I think that's just, you know, a really... It's a new way, again, to begin to engage those students and to begin to provide an experience much, much deeper than this one. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's, let's maybe move a little bit beyond the student recruitment realm for a second and, and maybe talk more about the value of VR in the classroom. And I don't know if you have any specific examples lined up, but one of the ones, it's funny, I was actually just chatting with the University of San Diego, their school of nursing, and they have Mm -hmm. a whole VR component built into some of their courses to, you know, experience real world situations and, you know, doing injections and all these other things that, you know, you can practice on a dummy as much as you want. It's just a little different. You've done it three times. You're kind of just used to it and you're going through the motions. Whereas Mm -hmm. in a VR atmosphere where it's, you know, you have what looks to be a real patient and they're kind of moving and acting like a patient. And then you kind of need to go through variety of situations because people are so different and calming somebody down or kind of like, you know, dealing with a kid versus dealing with, you know, uh, an an elderly person is wildly different. And and how are you going to handle those situations and being able to react in real time and kind of go through the motions like that, I think gives you exposure into one, not only the, the career field, but like, okay, am I 
excited about this? Is this fun for me? Like, do I enjoy this type of work? You're getting real experience rather than in the classroom. Sometimes it might feel like, yeah, I, I love this. And then you actually do it and it, it might not be everything you thought it was going to be. And, you know, that's, that's disappointing for everybody, obviously. And so I think what's, what's cool about that is it's valuable for the student, but it's so easy to then also turn that right back around to the prospective student and be like, you want to be a nurse? Like, come try this headset on you know, they come to campus, try this headset on and do this thing. Right. And it's like, you can use it in so many different ways and really getting, you know, your, your bang for your buck and what you invested in. But curious, you know, what else you think in the classroom that could be helpful for both students and prospective students, just students, faculty, anybody. To your institutions, to your institutions have some very specialized trade programs around specific automation machinery. Um, production machinery, those types of things. Yeah. Those programs are always limited in the number of students that they can enroll because of the space in that in that lab and the availability of some of those machines. I wonder what we can do. Now, you can't replicate all of that, but I wonder right. what you can do with it to um, spread out the, the, the learning so that some learning, if it doesn't have to be your hand touching the machine, but seeing how it functions, how much you might be able to, to add to that I don't know enough about those machinery programs or curriculum in there and, and mechanical engineering. Those, mm-hmm. I, I hesitate to act like I'm uh, to, to talk too in depth to make it seem like I know what I'm doing when I don't, I don't know if you know much about the Dunning Kruger effect effect, you know, you, how the less, you know, the more confident you may be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, same thing. Uh, so, um, so I, but I, but I wonder where you can find opportunities to increase some program size um, there I also like you mentioned nursing. I think that's a good one. I think um, geological programs or uh, astronomy programs, those types of those things where you get different types of experiences that go beyond. I even though I, I so so my favorite undergraduate course that I took as a student was was U.S. history, U.S. history two, hmm. which was eighteen sixty five to the present. Ironically, it was taught by um, a Brit, hmm. young guy. He still teaches there. And I actually, one of the, I was on campus, uh, they're were, they were a client and I was on campus and I went to stop and visit and said, hi, I just introduced myself. You taught me 20 something years ago, favorite course. And he would get up in the front of the room. This is when we had real chalkboards, not a whiteboard, <laughs> real chalkboards. And it was, you know, the 80 people in this class, the whiteboard went across or the chalkboard went across the entire room and he would get there. He would be waiting at the door for the class before it's to end uh, for a 15 minute window before his began. And he would fill the board with, with terms. Uh, it could be 40 to 50 terms or more on that board. Yeah. And over the course of an hour and 15, he'd cover them all. And he just, he would walk back and forth and just so with such great animation, no textbook involved in that. Everything yeah. there and he presented it. Um, I even think about, you know, what, how could we replicate that? You can't do that online in this experience. You, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't deliver it, but a virtual, you could see that. I mean, I can, cause I've watched my daughter um, as she's had her goggles on. That was one of her Christmas gifts. And, you know, and, and as action moves, you know, you're, you're not, you're turning your head. It's right. like we're watching a TV of this it's in framed in here, but she's turning her head uh, and seeing that. What type how could you replicate that experience? And I, I think, you could bring a lot to it that way. So even in traditional liberal arts, humanities-based courses, you could bring yeah. that in. Um, I think about, we talk about community. Imagine having uh, an, an English course 
a literature course where we might a Shakespeare course where you bring students together and they're reading Shakespeare together. And that in that that 3D type of environment that you have, I think I think of those types of opportunities, which yeah. aren't necessarily traditional. But in an online, if, if I'm trying to do a reading of a play, that's very hard to do. You can't stage it. I can't necessarily even decide what order I want people to appear on my screen. Yeah, uh, you can you can do much more of that. Um, uh, so I'm thinking of those types of things. We already talked about sciences a bit. In those curriculum, I'm definitely thinking of those things. I'll, I'll pause there. But yeah, that's I mean, definitely what I'm thinking about. Yeah, I, I think, and that's what I was you know, somewhat alluding to with the, the comment about how it can be helpful for professors. I feel like there are a lot, my favorite professors were the ones that would walk around the class. They kind of, they talk with their hands. They're just yes. very emotive. Like they're yes. the ones, yeah. It's partially because you just feel the passion is like coming out of them and that's why they do it. Yes. But you don't feel that just seeing, you know, a head in a square for an hour and a half just talking and like they probably feel limited when they're talking. They're not as inspired because they're just kind of sitting there like they're, they're not. I don't think many teachers became a teacher and are excited by the fact that they get to sit behind their computer and teach. Sure. While that might be slightly easier, um, it's nowhere near as enjoyable or fun, I can't imagine. And so. I think really, you know, this would enable them to express that emotion and that passion, which I think is then what ignites students to have a similar, you know, kind of yeah. position towards a particular course or or program, even as a whole. Like it just that doesn't come through in a Zoom meeting. And um, I think being able to leverage that technology for, you know, certain types of professors mm -hmm. and courses in particular, it, it would be massive. That would that would definitely be my if, if I'm in their in their situation. I mean, I do a lot of conference presentations. Um, and one of the things I will say when I'm walking into the room is like, please, please, please do not have me at a f podium with a fixed microphone. If yeah, it's a large yeah, room. yeah. Because I, I, I'm not a good standing behind the podium right. presenter. That's just not me. And it's really this, the same here. And this is, you, like you said, it's this little box. And I used to do before the pandemic, I, I had some webinars about how do you present mm -hmm. online webinars. And one of the comments I would say is, you should stand because if you're giving a real presentation, you don't sit at right. a desk to talk to. You stand if you want that energy to cover carry your stand. Now, three years after the pandemic here, I haven't stood for a presentation in a really long time. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've shifted and changed. Um, but, you know, if I can move around. I get more passionate, probably, I'm sure, more animated. I don't know that you can be more animated than I am on this camera because I'm already <laughs> but, but I get that way. And I think that carries over because that is exactly why I got so much out of that course. Yeah. That was so that I wanted to go to that class and I wanted to learn that material more than I had of any non-major related course. Yeah. Uh, I don't, you know, and so that he very much impacted me that way. And yeah, I, I just think with virtuality, you can, you can embrace that more you can get that energy across yeah and i think i mean one of the final kind of takeaways here and we, we touched on a little bit earlier too is a lot of the stuff that you're using for current students for faculty like we just talked about can be pre like repackaged and used for prospective students you can show a prospective student hey go you know virtually sit in on this classroom and watch this professor yes. and if they're one of those professors they're doing vr because they're kind of, you know, they're animated and they're all over the place. Students generally, I think, appreciate teachers like that, uh, you know, a bit more. They're, they're more exciting. It makes the class less like I'm just sitting here taking notes. Mm -hmm. Those are the classes you want prospective students to see.
So getting them in that atmosphere is just, it's going to do wonders for your recruitment strategy as a whole, because they're, they're going to feel part of your university before they're even, you know, submitting their application, for example. And so I think being able to leverage, you know, a lot of those things, repackage them, it's just kind of this cyclical nature of a VR that I think people can and should get used to is, is how do we make these things and then augment these things, even your, your campus, your VR campus tours of having people be able to hop around in an admissions meeting and go, okay, great. Oh, you, oh, you love the, you know, sports that we have here. Great. Let me show you a couple of the facilities in the, you know, stadium, whatever. And you can bounce around in 15 seconds at three different things and and not need to, uh, you know, walk across campus or through a city or like you're saying with all these different types of schools. Mm -hmm. And so I think being able to really think about, again, getting the bang for your buck with VR, because it is, it is a new thing. There's going to be, you know, testing and optimizations throughout the way, but you know, it's definitely something worth worth investing heavily into now so that when that five-year curve hits, you're not just starting out and then, you know, falling behind it right away. Yep. I totally agree. I, I think these are some good ideas. I would love to hear from anyone listening, watching um, yeah. more about their, their experience, if they're doing it or, or what they're planning on. Um, I, I'm really curious to see where this goes. I think there's just great opportunity here. Um, and again, something that should be done more, especially from the academic side in the next five years. So yeah. testing and experimenting now is a great time to do that. Awesome. All righty. Well, thank you everybody for listening. This concludes another episode of Fanatical Fridays. We will hopefully see you again in two weeks. Bye-bye. Hey y'all, Zach from Enrollify here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fanatical Fridays with Mickey Baines. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.